All right, guys, we're back. It's just Landon and Isaac's off working, uh, saving lives. But um, so uh, let's start with football, get right into it. I know softball is the big thing going on right now. We'll, we'll definitely dive into that in the Women's College World Series finale. Uh, but football-wise, big recruiting weekend for OU uh, this weekend as well as next weekend. So we haven't seen any, like, uh, commitments or anything this yet, but – I would I would expect it to start ramping up with the two biggest yeah. weekends coming up uh, for for OU and like I've talked about last time Parker Thum will join us from OU Insider which is part of the Rivals Network now uh, he'll join us after the 16th through 18th weekend so that following Wednesday podcast kind of break down everything that went on and hopefully by then we'll we'll have a couple commitments but really nothing much going on on the football front for OU but OSU had a couple visits so uh, I'll send it over to Landon Landon. Couple yeah, visits, a, couple, you. a couple visits coming up this week. Uh, one is on Wednesday. One is on Friday. So uh, the first one will be uh, Kadavion Dotson, uh, four star at safety out of Duncanville. He's, uh, you know, six foot, 180 pound safety. Uh, I've seen him projected to go to LSU. Yeah. Pretty much all the other, you know, big schools around here are in on him. UT, A&M, those guys. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's probably a little bit of a long shot that – OSU can pull him in, but you know, you never know. Maybe things weirder things have happened. Yeah. Uh, the other one, and I'm going to butcher this man's first name. <laughs> I have no idea how to say this. Uh, Gakyle Baker. Um, we're going to go with that. I apologize <laughs> if I mess that up. Uh, he's a four-star wide receiver out of Brownsboro, Texas. And he's a guy who I had not seen him on anything as far as OSU being interested, him being interested in OSU. And then when I was checking the date on Dotson's uh, visit, he all of a sudden popped up as having one like two days after. So I thought that was, that was interesting. And the fact that uh, Gundy is listed as the recruiter for him, also an interesting thing. I'm not sure where this is coming from. If maybe he was like really into one coaching staff who then kind of soured on him and Gundy saw an opportunity. I don't know what's happening there, but yeah, it's kind of interesting when a guy pops up out of nowhere with the visit and your head coach is listed as a recruiter who is not known to go out and visit people until like it's, they're a little bit closer to really committing. Yeah. And we were talking about him. um, I guess it was Monday landed and I, and he's, he's a speedster. I mean, very, very Very fast. fast. Uh, pretty much all of his highlights are just him running just straight go past routes. People. There's no safety yeah. help, and those corners stood no chance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he's a guy, uh, Bryant Wesco, five-star wide receiver uh, from Texas, ended up committing to Clemson yesterday. Um, he was a guy that OU was in the running for and a lot of people thought was leading, and it was kind of a surprise to his family and stuff that he chose Clemson. But that's uh, Gurkyle. Uh, I'll go with Gurkyle also. But uh, that's a that's a, a name that's been mentioned now. OU might be going after too. So that's a name for both OU and OSU to kind of keep an eye on. Um, and uh, we'll definitely see what we uh, uh, or see what we can or find out what we can see from his uh, visit this upcoming week, and then maybe on Sunday's podcast, kind of let people know about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, two two solid visits uh, for this week. The Duncanville guy. It's interesting because he, him and a guy that OU is going after really hard is a running back. They tweeted that they wanted to go to school together, but the only one that both are considering is Oklahoma State. Because OU hasn't really recruited yeah. the safety, but they've recruited the running back. So I, I, don't I, don't think we, and I don't think we've really recruited the running back. It's kind exactly. of a, hey, we've offered him, yes. but it's not the yes, not really trying too much. Yeah, he, he grew up uh, actually in Oklahoma, uh, near Norman. 
now plays in Texas, but a grew up a huge OU fan. So yeah, y'all aren't really going after the running back. We're not really going after the safety, but yet they want to play together. And, you know, that's been the one. Now I have heard rumors about LSU for the running back. So yeah, maybe LSU. Maybe that's where they're going. It, yeah, where they want end up going together. But it's gonna be fun. I mean, recruiting's gonna be picking up. Um, yeah. I know um, you know, I, I do some writing for Sooner Wire and we've been writing, we've been putting out recruiting stuff left and right. People dropping top tens, dropping official visits, top fives, committing, like it, it's <laughs> it's that time of the year. It's fun. Yes. Uh so let's let's move on to baseball. Just briefly mention it. OU baseball falls to ECU, something we mentioned on Sunday's podcast was most likely going to happen. Um, ECU dominated in the first time around. This time, OU played a little bit better, but ultimately just didn't get it done. But, you know, it's it's a season to build upon. And I, I heard a great analogy. You know, we, we saw OU baseball slowly. They were starting to get better. And then they had that miraculous run to the finals. And then people started yeah. expecting that and kind of looked at this as a down year. And it really wasn't. And someone had the great analogy of, the Thunder, how they peaked so quickly, and people were like, oh, they got to go to the finals and win it every year, and then reality set in that. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 just keep them on that same trajectory you had them on before they went to the finals, and, and you'll see where they're headed. I mean, they got a lot of young, really talented players, so they got a bright future, um, and, and they ended up making the tournament and winning a game in the tournament was, mm-hmm. you know, you know, last year would have been success just making the Super Regional, and then, of yeah. course, they, they get on a run and they, they go really far, but... Uh, their season comes to an end, so baseball is officially over. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are out of it. Um, obviously, there's still Super Regionals and things like that to go, but the big one is softball. Uh, Oklahoma State puts up a fight but ends up falling to Tennessee. Yeah. Um, that was one of those games where everything was – they were just off by like a foot. Everything yep. just went one foot to Tennessee's direction and it turned a game. Uh, Oklahoma State did not play clean. I think they had three errors in the game. Only really Mm -hmm. one of them cost them a run. But, I mean, you still – you can't sit there and have three errors in an elimination game. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee's defense was amazing. There were multiple plays Mm -hmm. that they made. Kiki Malloy, which I found out was Lawyer Malloy's daughter. Yeah. um, Out there. She's so Covering center field like nobody's business. She made one of the – prettiest catches i've ever seen on that dive and she might in. be the best offensive player too so i mean she's oh just, yeah she's she wrote a couple ones too yes. so i mean she was awesome uh yeah i mean it's hard to call it i mean you just got beat by a better team it's not yeah. like they played that yes they had some stakes they didn't play that poorly yeah. uh they just lost uh the big news though was that lexi Kilfoy announced she will be coming back yeah. for a well, I guess it would be her super senior COVID year, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And at the beginning of the year, Kelly Maxwell said she would be back. We'll see if she sticks with that, but you know, if they both come back, that's a good, good place to start. Yeah. Good foundation for next season. Obviously. What is your, I'm kind of curious because I kind of saw mixed uh, points on this. What is your thought on the season this year? I, to me, like anytime you make the women's college world series, like that's a success in my opinion, but on the flip side, OSU coming into this year was thought to be that second best team and to finally make the finals and really, you know, make OU is a different animal. Don't even think about OU, but just think about OSU compared to everyone else. But they were thought to be, you know, compete against OU for the Big 12, probably not win it, but at least they were always going to be the second one. And they really didn't live up to that. Obviously had that terrible stretch. Um, And then they started playing really well again. And just to kind of revert to some of their old ways, in, in the world, women's college world series, but overall, what was kind of your thought of of the season for the cowgirls? 
I mean, if you take away that slide for that last that month and a half away yeah. and tell them that you came, you know, like a game away essentially from making the final, I mean, you're probably going to take that. Yeah. I mean, when you get in there, I mean, Florida State, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, and I mean, for most of the season, UCLA, you would have said mm-hmm. they're kind of that second tier. Those are the teams that would have a shot to challenge OU in a series, probably lose, but you know, yeah, keep it close and losing. I mean, they lost to Florida State and Tennessee in the mm-hmm. Women's College World Series, and those are two of the best teams, which we saw how they played against everyone else. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a little bit of a letdown with how they look for those first, like, two months. Yeah. But when you look at – oh, yeah. I mean, before Gajewski got there, we were lucky to make – Yes, he's, he's turned them around for and sure. now it's like, oh, we didn't make the final. This is not a good year. Yeah. I mean, the program's in a great place. They had a really good recruiting class last year. Yes, they're going to lose a lot of – key pieces but there's a lot of people ready to step in bigger role that uh should have the talent we'll see if he can keep it rolling i mean so yeah. maybe a slight letdown but i mean nothing that you know i'm flipping a table over well and he had a and another th- reason why i said that is because you had a lot of fifth year seniors on this roster it was a really veteran team this was a it really was. decent year to make a run but if you get the two good pitchers your two great pitchers back next year i mean maybe next year is the year that that finally all starts coming Coming together, but yeah, I mean, you make the women's called World Series. Uh, through theoretically, you're what the sixth, let's see, fifth, fifth or sixth team because you lose in the semifinals, or, or you lose just before the semifinals. Semifinals yeah. was Tennessee and Florida State, and then OU and Stanford. So you're the fifth or sixth right there. Theoretically, you got to take that, especially with like you said, Kenny Gajewski has built that program up, um, to now being a power, and and you know UCF is a pretty good softball program but osu really should dominate big 12 softball going forward after this upcoming season when ou and texas um head out but um yeah i was just kind of curious about that so on the other side ou they play stanford that uh kennedy girl is so good especially as a true freshman he's a beast i was reading and and i kind of already knew this but then when you kind of put it in perspective it's even crazier Throwing at 70 miles per hour in softball is like throwing 100 miles per hour so anything over that is like you know, adding to it. It's unreal. There was time she was throwing 76, 77 miles per hour, and that's insane. And and I have not seen OU's batters that confused, you know, maybe ever. I mean, she had them confused. They were swinging at balls that were not even close to the strike zone with her rise ball that they just don't swing at. I mean, their plate discipline is usually so good. Yeah. And that she she's great. She's incredible. Yeah. You don't see – there aren't too many pitchers that are hitting that 75, 76 range yes. regardless. There are even fewer that are hitting it with actual movement. Yeah, and as freshmen. I mean, just insane. Yeah. Because she – and like you said uh, with the movement, but also just pinpoint accuracy. where mm-hmm. Wherever she wanted to throw it, she was hitting it. And, uh, you know, thankfully, <laughs> as an OU fan, <laughs> Stanford's offense isn't that great. And so you, you felt mm-hmm. OU's historic offense would eventually get one – and as long as Jordy Ball can continue to keep them at zero. I, I was texting Zach this, and he kind of disagreed with me, but my feeling was I felt more confident that OU's historic offense, offense would be able to get one against the best pitcher in softball mm-hmm. in Kennedy. I had more confidence in that happening than I had in Stanford's bad offense scoring on Jordy Ball because Jordy's, you know, top five pitcher in, in softball as well. But, no, she's, she's incredible, and uh, – you know, as an OU fan, I'd love for her to hit the transfer portal and come to <laughs> come to Norman. But she's not. She, I mean, you get that Stanford degree, you can do anything with that. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, she's gonna stay out there. But no, Maybe she's a grad transfer. 
Yeah, you know, he just wants to play one more degree. year. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of. I am not looking forward to playing her the next three years. And if they can get any kind of offense, oh, I know. I mean that any Stanford, kind of offense in a secondary pitcher, they could be a real problem. Yes, I mean they if they can just score like three, four runs a game. I mean she's going to lock it down. I mean, they would have been a better seed this year if she would have pitched from the start. But mm-hmm. she, they had another pitcher who was an All-American who's, who's really pretty good, too. Yeah. But she, but with Kennedy being a true freshman, it's, obviously, she didn't start a lot early in the year. But once she started, man, she took off. It, yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you about OU's offense. I mean, we've seen them all season. And some of the games against uh, Oklahoma State this year and last year. Yeah. Kelly Maxwell would be on her game for six innings and an out. And then it's 5 nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, and you just felt like, man, if OU can just get one, the game's over. Cause Stanford's offense just really isn't yeah, there. They weren't going to get, they hit the one, hitting two. yeah, they hit the one home run early in the game, which was really uncharacteristic for Stanford. They mm-hmm. hadn't had many home runs all year, but they did get one. And then as soon as OU tied it up, it was like, and then, and then Jordy Ball came in. Nicole May pitched really well outside of that one uh, pitch that resulted in a home run. But it was just like, man, if they can just get one run, they'll take it. But, Really, if you look through the the postseason, the uh, the World Series, everything, these have been the two best teams: OU and Florida State. Yep, they have. And so, uh, Florida State's got two really good pitchers too. Now, yes, they do. OU has done well against both of them when they've played them, um, but they are two very very good pitchers. I was looking at it; both of them, unless it's something has changed after the Tennessee game when they played well, but both of them were. Top two in uh, or top six, sorry, in ERA. <laughs> like, yeah, so they're, not, one they're not one and two. No, they're top <laughs> top six in the ERA. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of them. One was four. One was six. So very good. Uh, they're a team that doesn't hit the home run very often. They were like fiftieth in the nation in home runs, but they lead the nation in doubles. So that's something to watch out for. But the one thing for OU is you got to make them make mistakes. They are sixty sixth in uh, fielding percentage. So they're not a great fielding team, and that's that's where that's if OU yes, if OU can just make some contact and make them make some mistakes, I think that's that's how they end up winning. Yeah, and them not Florida State not having like the big home run threats. Yes, I think because I mean we've watched enough OU and seen enough box scores of OU to know yeah. you you're not going to get a ton of chances. Like yeah. their pitching staff is good enough, their defense is good enough that you're not going to sit there and you know hit three singles and a double in an inning to have a big yeah. inning very often you're going to have to get the big hit and if they don't have someone who is going to step up it might be a short series well and that you know the catcher i can't remember her name but she's hit i think a home run in the last two games or something so she, so maybe they're starting to find a spark in the the women's college world series uh but you know they played once earlier this year um florida state actually led like four to two in the fourth inning ou comes back takes the lead five to four and ends up winning five to four so it was a close game and i want to say that was in norman i'd have to look that up but uh uh, cause I can't remember off the top of my head, but nonetheless, it was a very close game. Um, I would not be surprised one bit if Florida state didn't get one game in this yeah, series. I, I think we've talked about it many times. I just don't see a team being able to beat OU twice, but, um, I, I think Florida state can get one. I'll say if there is a team that we have seen played during the college world women's college world series that could get to, it would be Florida state. Yeah. I mean, so they're I, think part, they're I don't great. think they'll do it, but yeah. I mean, They've proven that they are the closest to OU. So yeah, very good. They are very, very good, and it does. I will say, it does help when, that OU has seen the both of the pitchers before. Yeah. I believe you know Sandercock, the the their best pitcher, even mm-hmm. though she's technically 
second between the two in ERA. She's their best pitcher. It's kind of like Jordy Ball is OU's best pitcher, even though Nicole May is second in the country in ERA. Uh, Jordy Ball is the better pitcher. But yeah. um, I, I want to say she was on that 2021 national championship team or national uh, runner-up team that OU faced. I think um, so. And beat. And, so, and OU had success on her then, too. So OU has had a history of success against her. I know – Earlier in the year when they played, um, you know, one of them started the game. OU scored. The other one came in, pitched um, only uh, uh, two-thirds of an inning before having to get yanked out because OU was hitting her pretty good. So we'll see what happens. Uh, game one uh, will tell a lot because it's going to be Jordy Ball against, I would assume they're pitching Sandercock first, although you never know. So, but you never know. We've, yeah. we've seen some weird pitching decisions. In, exactly. And, and Jordan. Jordy hasn't allowed a run in the postseason, I don't believe, unless she allowed... seems all right. Seems like she's doing all right. Yeah, she definitely has it in the, in the Women's College World Series. I can't, I don't think she's allowed one in the postseason. So she's pitching really well right now, too. So it'll be a really good pitching battle. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. But, it, you know, it, if you have great pitching, we saw it with Stanford, you can be in any game, even yeah. though if you're not as talented as the other team. Yeah, you can any pitchers on that it's like a good goalie in hockey if the goalie's stopping everything it doesn't matter what you put up you get one yep (laughs) all right so we're we're back with list we did trivia last time oh i have one at the basketball note oh yeah basketball note yes uh oklahoma state got the big transfer isaiah miranda uh didn't realize this when i saw his name popping up that he actually reclassified last year and then joined nc state after christmas and then redshirted, so not really sure what the point of uh, coming out of high school early to redshirt for three months yeah. at NC State was, uh, but he did it. Uh, he was a consensus four-star coming out, uh, 247 composite, you know, the one that averages everything, had him at number 45 in his class. He's, he's I, a seven-footer, right? Seven or seven-one, depending seven, one. on uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> which one you see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think before he reclassified, he was uh, like number 32 or something in this class that yeah. just signed. Yeah. Um, it's a big get. Basically, everyone who was tall uh, transferred on yeah. Oklahoma State's roster. Um, he's actually the third new center on the team with another transfer who's a really big guy, 6'11", 245-pound transfer. Y'all are just full of this tall player. We and can't get a tall player. <laughs> then one of uh, one of the, our highest-rated freshmen, Brandon Garrison, from I believe it was Dell City. Um, he's listed as a center, but he's also listed at 6'9", so to me that's more of a power forward yeah. in college. Maybe if you play small ball, he can move. But uh, Randa was also apparently getting some – he entered his name into the draft portal – Got some feedback that he might be drafted, but decided to transfer and see if he can up his draft stock to yeah. go the next year and chose Oklahoma State. So it's a big get for Boynton. I mean, he's always been able to recruit, just need to see the re- better results on the court from yeah, him. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like I said, y'all have always had tall players with Boynton. Well, just uh, since he's been there. Yeah, yeah, with, with <laughs> Boynton, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I did forget to mention this. We'll go to this real quick before we go to our list. Uh, five-star tight end Davon Mitchell um, announced the other day he's going to commit July 8th. It feels like it's OU's race to lose. Yeah, uh, Like I said, five-star tight end. He plays. Uh, he played with Michael Hawkins, our quarterback commit. Mm-hmm. Transferred out to California because he wants to reclassify. It sounds like he's going to be able to reclassify to 2024. 
If not, he's a 2025 uh, recruit, but he's committing July 8th, so we'll, we'll be on the lookout for that. But yeah. all right, let's go to our list. So uh, this is kind of in honor, which we'll talk about in our next podcast. Didn't really have a whole lot of time because we had the Women's College World Series. Uh, but uh, three Sooners, one Cowboy are uh, finalists for the uh, uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. One of those Cowboys is Justin Blackman, and so that's kind of the reason for our our list today. We're going to rank our top three wide receivers um i went with just ou as i'm assuming you're going with just osu or you just yeah i figured that's what we do okay yeah i I figured that too so start with your number three all right well first off uh, i'm gonna give apologies to uh rashawn woods and james washington for not (laughs) making uh the list uh number three i'm going with des bryant just because he i mean he played two years in a game uh if he'd played a little bit longer probably wouldn't hire up but i mean he was the most he was a freak I yes. only got to watch one game of his in person and it was my first game as a student and it was a game against Georgia where he just torched them. Yeah. Made the sports illustrated cover with that diving catch. He's a freak. I mean, he was amazing to watch. One of my favorite Oklahoma state Cowboys of all time. My number three, I don't feel like he gets the, the love that he should. I, I remember playing uh flag football and trying to imitating his moves when I was younger, because I, I was such a huge fan of his it's Mark Clayton for me. Uh, oh, played yeah. played with Jason White in the you know in that era the 2003 2004 era and I remember uh, against Colorado oh he did it against a couple teams but they would throw it out to him and he would just run across the field for a touchdown and so I remember I intercepted a ball in flag football and I and instead of just running down the sideline for an easy touchdown I decided to go all the way across the field I had to get him getting stopped before the score and I, I was just trying to be like Mark Clayton man I I, I feel like uh, because he was such so long ago almost 20 years which is crazy yeah. to think about. People don't really give him the love that he deserves, but I, I, you know, Marquise Brown, sorry, but I'm going Mark Clayton. Um, You know, Hollywood was obviously up there, but going with Mark Clayton. Number two. Clayton was an underrated uh, guy to get on Madden back in the day. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> and he was a high school quarterback turned receiver. So yeah. uh, number two, I'm going Tylen Wallace. Uh, I mean, you know, my love for uh, Tylen Wallace. Yeah. I have. Uh, for how big he was to be able to make some of the plays he did, it just didn't make sense to me. He also has two of my favorite plays I've ever seen where he takes the screen and trucks the entire Iowa State defense going down the yeah. sideline. And then the uh, pass is when they upset Texas, where for some yeah. reason they trusted Corndog on a fourth yeah. and three <laughs> to throw the ball. And Tylen Moss, two Texas defenders to walk in for a touchdown. Yeah, no, he was incredible. Should have won a Blitikoff, in my opinion. Uh, my number two, uh, a lot. this might be controversial. A lot of people might have him number one. I'm going CD number two. That 2019 season, I remember before the Bedlam game, uh, Mike Gundy said it was a one-man offense, talking about Jalen Hurts. But I was like, it's a one-man offense because of CD Lamb because he was torching people. And Jalen obviously had a great season that year, but it was literally offensively just throw it to CD because that's, that's pretty much all we yeah. had that year. And he was – incredible uh you know i've never seen any wide receiver break as many tackles in a season as he broke that year i remember the the, the you always see the picture against texas that surfaces mm-hmm. where there's five longhorns around him and he still somehow scores on that play uh but he was incredible it started as a true freshman and you could see as a true freshman this guy was going to be really good and what was great about it freshman and sophomore season he he, he progressed every year but he yeah, really yeah. progressed those year but his freshman and sophomore season, he was really easy to bring down. You could just barely tap him and he'd go down. And he worked on it. And as a junior, like I said, was incredible at breaking tackles. Still that way with the Dallas Cowboys. Probably the most talented receiver ever to come through Oklahoma. 
Um, and you could argue he should have won the Blendikoff, uh that year, but Jamar Chase obviously had a huge yeah. year also. <laughs> Same thing with Jerry Judy and Tylen Wallace on that season. So, But uh, CeeDee Lamb, number two for me. Number one for you. Well, CeeDee Lamb haunted me for years. Yeah. So I'm glad he's a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number one for me it's obvious it's justin blackman bust out yeah. the old justin blackman jersey <laughs> for this um yeah i mean i was there for his well three years granted the first year he was there uh he really i only remember him one game and it was actually colorado game where everyone was hurt and we had to sit through half of alex kate and <laughs> the only time i've been a part of a put in the backup quarterback chant and they brought in whedon who threw the game-winning touchdown to justin blackman first time yeah. they hooked up and then they just went on a run and torched everyone for yeah. two years. I had a class with him at one point, you know, before he yeah. was a big deal. And he actually went to class with normal people. Yeah. <laughs> My number one, this is, you know, I always are, I, I get arguments because a lot of people have CD. My number one has always been Ryan Broyles. I mean, anytime you, you lead the nation all time in receptions, uh, obviously that record Amazing. eventually got broke, but he had that touchdowns. He had the big 12 touchdown record. That his senior season, if he doesn't tear his ACL, he was blowing everyone away in the stats. He probably was the Blendikoff that year. He played, what, eight games, nine games? And he had over a 1,000 yards or close to it already. I mean, he was going off that season. Um, And it changed the whole offense that year. I mean, we were not the same after he went down. I've And and going back to where I talked about CD, I've never seen a guy break as many tackles. I've never seen a guy always open like Ryan Broyles. His route running was unreal for Unreal. Like the way that offense worked, the way he was able to get open was just not – it wasn't right. And I remember uh, ESPN did the piece on him where it was the don't touch me piece, and he talked about how he always learned how to get open because he doesn't like being touched just in regular life and everything, just doesn't like being touched. So he would always find holes, and he was a master at that. He was great. I mean, anytime you throw it to him, it was like, how the heck does he get open? You know, he's the best, one of the best receivers in the nation, and he's wide open. So frustrating to watch, too, because you could watch him and not understand how he got open. Yes. Yeah. And and, uh, and I believe, if I remember the stat correctly, he dropped two passes his whole college career. I mean, so he caught everything already. Um, And I think he would have, if he didn't tear his ACL, he would have had a huge NFL career because yeah, that was right when again. he, I mean, he's a slot guy. You yes. put him in the slot. He's well, and that's right when the slots were getting really popular. Yep. He still got drafted second overall by the lions. They put him on a second punt round. return for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Second round. For some reason they put him on a punt and he tears his ACL again. Then he ends up tearing his Achilles and it just never yeah. worked out for him. But he, I think he would have been a perfect complimentary piece to Calvin Johnson. Yeah. He um, been. If he doesn't tear his ACL, but, uh, that's my number one, but uh, and, and ironically, we they played the same uh, years, same time frame. Yeah, we kind of matched up with time frames on. I know, <laughs> we did. Yeah, yeah, we did, and they were, uh, you know, those battles were fun to watch. Blackman, oh, and, yeah, and and Broyles, and they did it so differently. Like Blackman might get you five catches for 180 yards, and Broyles going to get you 14 catches for 180 yards. Yeah, I mean, Blackman was, so... was going to. Tr- he wasn't going to look open, but he was going to come yes. down with the ball and then throw the defender to the ground yeah. and. And you just knew every third down, Broyles was going to be wide open somewhere, and that's just how it worked. But I will say one time it was a Justin Blackman story. They were playing Arizona. They threw like a quick screen out to him, and an Arizona defender read it and popped him, and he dropped the ball. And while they're trying to signal in the play, he goes, give me the ball. Yeah. (laughs) And they run the same play again, and he throws the guy to the ground and runs it in for a (laughs) touchdown. 
Yeah, no, he was he was incredible to watch. He really was, and and him and Whedon had a special connection as well. But another one that just a few things could have gone differently probably has a great career. But he yeah, just had some exactly. off, off field because he, he had a really still, good rookie year if he didn't have off the field stuff. You know, still dealing with that off the field stuff. I hope he gets it together. Yeah, figured out. Um, but all right, that's the end of this podcast. On Sunday, we'll know who the champion of the Women's College World no. Series is. Um, Sunday, we might even know some things from this recruiting weekend for OU. Might know some things about the visits, yeah. visits that um, Landon mentioned. So, um, and then uh, obviously, I, I said already we'll, we'll talk about the um, the Hall of Fame. People get in the Hall of Fame um, and, and talk about that. So, it's been fun uh, until Sunday. We'll see you guys later. See you then. <laughs>